The best thing about me to getting to do this today is that I get to introduce the speaker, who is Judy McGrath. I think a lot of y'all know her. Maybe everybody knows her. She's already embarrassed. You're looking down. I'm scared, actually. <laughs> but I've got a uh, lot of things about her that y'all probably don't know because I didn't know her. She lived in Roswell since 1997 and has been a member of RUMC for the last 16 years. We did know this. She works in the fashion industry. She has the worst commute in town because she works in New York. She's done that for the last 22 years. Was there 9-11. We remember that well uh, back in the day. She attended Crown College based in St. Bonifacius. Is that correct? Minnesota. Graduated summa cum laude in uh, 2012 with a degree in Christian ministry. And she's uh, enjoyed doing disciple Bible study, teaching disciple Bible study with the Bicota class. Didn't know this. Got three children and ten grandchildren. Currently engaged to Jacob. I can't pronounce his last name, but he's from South Africa. Van Fonda. Say it again. Van Fonda. Okay. Easy for you to say. <laughs> okay. Planning a wedding next year, so congratulations. We're very, very, very pleased. Very pleased. She enjoys teaching family, her family, traveling, and enjoys just being at home. And what I uh, threatened her with was to tell everybody how good a softball player she is. Because uh, we played, I don't even know how many years ago, and she knocked the cover off the ball. Very good. She said she had played before, which kind of surprised but anyway, nothing else. Uh, Judy, we are just very pleased to have you today. So, I'll turn it over to you. So, just get a second here to get set up again here. You know, the thing about computers is they like to go to sleep on you. So, I just like them to sleep on the job. So, um, today we're going to be talking about the promises of God. And I have to tell you that uh, this interest started um, with one of my favorite um, Christians, uh, preachers, teachers, um, Charles Stanley. And um, I was watching um, one of his sermons, and it was on the promises of God. And, you know, I, I didn't realize it that day, but it was exactly what I needed at that particular moment. And as um, I was preparing for this lesson, I can't tell you how blessed I've been. So I hope that I do this justice um, for our Heavenly Father and that, that there are people that will be that will leave here today uh, blessed as well. So I'm going to just ask that we bow our heads for a second and just uh, steal ourselves and uh, let's offer uh, praise. So for Heavenly Father, we just... Thank you so much for this beautiful day, this beautiful facility. Thank you for the fellowship of, of people who love you, who come to worship and praise you. And Father God, we just thank you for the promises that you have given us through all generations. And Father God, we just thank you for the faithfulness and the, of, of honoring all of those promises 
that not one has been unfulfilled. And thank you, God, for walking with us in our life, that you go ahead of us and you go behind us as you watch over us and protect us, Father God, as your child. We just ask that you take this time, Father God, and that our hearts may be touched and warmed by your presence. We invite you here to be with us this day and that our ears are open and our hearts are open as well to receive this word. In Jesus Christ's holy name, I ask these things. Um, There was a um, father out in that lived in Florida, and he had a very young son, and they were out in the backyard, and they were working, and he was watching his son kind of playing over in the uh, back area. And as he was doing that, he looked and saw his son was fine and then turned around to do something. And then he heard something. And they were in the Everglades area and they saw an alligator come up into the yard and uh, and went for his young son. And so he grabbed the young child's legs and the father drops and he runs. So he is trying to get the child away from the alligator. And the alligator has his legs. Um, so he's the father has got his shoulders and he's taking and he just takes and he just grabs with all of his might and he takes that child and gets him away from that alligator and he leaves these marks in this child's shoulder from where he wrangles and gets this child away from the alligator. He scoops him up and he takes him to the emergency room and the doctor tells him, he says, you know, you're going to have scars on your legs, you know, from this alligator. And he says, you know, I may have scars on my leg, but these scars on my shoulder from my dad saving me is what I will always remember is that he loved me and he saved me. Well, Jesus does that for us today. God gives us promises and he holds on to us with all of his might because he loves us so much. And he's given us all of these promises and he has not ever failed us with a promise. So I've thought about, okay, so what is a promise? Let's see if I can get this to work. Do I have that thing? Okay. Hang on a second, we'll get the word. This is technical in a minute. Okay, we've got to figure this out. A commitment is a promise to an obligation to do or not to do something. Ethically, Promises relate to commitments and truthfulness. A promise is a morally binding uh, in terms of justice and mutual fidelity. It binds actions to works. So when you think about that, it when you make a promise, you're morally bound to keep that. As Christians, we are morally bound to um, to keep those. Uh, and by that same mighty power, he has given us all of his rich and wonderful promises. So I think that one thing that we have to think about um, the, well, see, that didn't work either. When you think about promises, what comes to mind is, um, oh, this is aggravating, is what, what comes to our minds when we think about God, that is the most important thing about us. And as I thought, thought about that, about A.W. Tozer what we think about God defines us. And I got to thinking about that and started peeling that back. 
And I'm thinking, well, you know, that really is very true. Because if what you believe about God, what you really believe about God, that's going to affect you, right? It's going to affect your behavior. It's going to affect what you believe, what you do, how you spend your money. If you really believe in God, what you think about God does define you. So what is your conception of God? Uh, what do you think about God? And what do you, and what, how does what you think about God affect you and your behavior? So thinking about that, is there anybody that want to share a thought about that? About, about God defining you? About what you think about God and how that defines you? It really made me stop and think for a second. That's a really good point. It's so simple the way you put that. And there's so many opportunities for interpretation. Mm-hmm. But um, I think my personal favorite is Matthew, what is it, 25, 35? When did you see me sick? Or, But, you know, you can pick up on so much of that. Mm-hmm. It, that's well put. Mm-hmm. Well, we can thank A.W. Tozer, you know, for, for that statement. It certainly... It shows that you think deeply about God. And it does, you know, when you accept Christ as your Savior, you, um, it changes the way that you feel. And it changes the way that you believe and the way that you act and the way that you treat others. So when you think about that, about what do I think of God? And if I really believe He is who He says He is, then that's our reverent fear. So, um, it does make um, a difference about that. But when we make think about promises, we think about the credibility of, of who's making that promise. So when you're a child or you have your, your child, then you say, okay, I promise I'll do that later. Well, if your child, if you have credibility with that child, some parents do, some parents don't, is you go to that credibility of making no luck. Okay. We'll just do it manually. Um, I guess it was meant to be, right? Um, you think about who's making that promise. Who's who's credible about making that? Um, so we must understand who God is and his character in order to understand his credibility. And we must think rightly about God. Now, what does that mean? We must think rightly about God. Well, we've got to make sure that we understand we know who he is and that he's credible to keep his promises. God is truthful all of the time. God cannot lie. He knows all truths. In Numbers 23, 19, it says that God is not human, uh, that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? No, he, that's not true, right? Does he promise and not fulfill? And then Jesus told us, he says, I am the truth and the way in John fourteen sixteen. And God is immutable. He is unchanging. He tells, uh, they tell us that in Malachi 3, 6, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. So these are all things that goes to the credibility of God. So we know that he is truthful. He is unchanging. So when he tells you something, that he is solid. The truth uh, is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Just let it loose and it will defend itself. I was thinking about that in terms of the truth. 
and you think about our scriptures, and you think about how long these scriptures have stood the test of time, how many years has this the scripture survived intact, unchanged, that they are still as relevant and as live today. The Bible has is the most printed book in our world. So we know that that's true because it has been challenged. It has fought the good fight and it still survives. And you think about all of the books out there that have been written and faded away. So we know that truth will defend itself. God is also omnipotent. He is all-knowing. It says nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So God knows. He's there. And I wanted just to read you just a little bit from um, Job because, you know, I couldn't think help but think about Job as when we were thinking about um, this. Here it is, 38. It says, um, and, and when the world answered, when the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, who is this that questions my wisdom in such an ignorant words? Brace yourself because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. So God is telling Job, you stand up and you take this like a man because God is going to reprimand and put Job in his place like he does us sometimes when we when need it. He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me. And if you know so much, do you know how its dimensions were determined and who did the surveying? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstones as the morning stars sang together and all the angels, angels shouted for joy? Who defined the boundaries of the sea as it burst from its womb and as I clothed it with clouds and thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this, thus far, there is no, uh, thus far and no further will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? Have you ever told the daylight to spread to the ends of the earth and bring an end to night's wickedness? For the features of the earth take shape as the light approaches, and the dawn is robed in, uh, robed in red. The light disturbed and haunts the wicked, and it stops the arm, uh, the arm that is raised in its violence. And he goes on, and you're familiar with Job, and God goes on uh, almost like a rant for like three chapters. And he says, who are you? Have you done all these things? God knows it all. There is no one that is as powerful as God. He is unequaled. So God tells Job about himself and who he is. And then we take this to like a personal level, because even though that these are big things, that we serve a big God and love a big God, he knows us, even the numbers on our head. And he tells us, he says, when you, he didn't say when everyone, he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So God speaks to you as a person, as an individual, and he is your God, just like he is 
the Savior over all of Israel. And then God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arms. Nothing is too hard for you. Sometimes we don't want to give God credit for that. We think that we need to control our own lives and that we um, can do it better than anyone else. And we don't want to wait on God. So these these are things that we have to remember um, here. God didn't promise us days without pain or laughter or without sorrow or sun without rain. But he did promise strength for the day, comfort for the tears, and light for the way. So even when we go through tough times, God didn't tell us it would be perfect just because we were a Christian and we, and we worshiped him as Lord. But he does promise that he will never leave or forsake us. God is omnipotent. God is with us always. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There was um, a story, and I, I'm going to just read a little bit of it. Um, I don't know if um, you remember the story about Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles. And Jehoshaphat was um, king. And he was being threatened by war coming uh, from the cities that surrounded from Egypt. And these were towns that uh, God had told Jehoshaphat just to leave them be, you know, don't destroy them. And Jehoshaphat goes in front of God and he says, you told me not to destroy them. And he says, and now they've got all of these armies and they're surrounding us. And listen to what, um, uh, what, what Jehoshaphat does. And he says, And as all the men stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and the children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon the men standing there. Um, his name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, and son of Jael, son of uh, Mattiah, and a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. And he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, listen to all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged for the mighty army, for the uh, for the battle is not yours. It is God's. And as the story goes along, they they all of the people, the, the men and the women and the children, they begin to praise God. They give God the credit before the battle even begins. And as they do that, the next morning, the uh, people of Jerusalem, the men go out for battle. They're all armed for battle. And they come up over the hill, and they see an amazing thing. The camps of all of these warriors were dead. Not a single person was survived. God went before them and fought the battle and won. God said, this is not your battle. This is my battle. And they did not, so when they went out and they looked at this and they called this the Valley of Blessings, they, they were able to have plunder for four days. There was so much that they got from, from this battle, from all of these dead armies. It took them four days to collect it all. And it was called the Valley of Blessings. One thing that Andy Stanley uh, says that I, I love, and he said that today we live in a, in a promise poverty state because there's so many promises in um, the word of God that and we don't even take advantage of them 
because there, there's a reason, and we're going to talk about that. God is also faithful and therefore trustworthy. Uh, God is faithful who has called you into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, in 1 Corinthians. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. What a great promise. Um, God is love. The cross is proof of his love that he kept his promise. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a promise that he kept. And he says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. He says, I will help you. We always know that helps on the way. Um, A.W. Tozer says that to think creature and creator as alike in essential being is to rob God of most of his attributes and reduce him to the status of creature. Aren't we guilty of that? Is trying to put God, us be equal with God or to make our, in our mind, our limited mind, you know, where we, it's hard for us to understand that we are different from God. We are made in his image. But he is spirit. In uh, John 4.24, it says, God is spirit, and his worshiper must worship in the spirit and in truth. And we are made in his image. So God created mankind in his, Im- his own image, the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. So what does that mean? How, how can God be spirit, and we're made in his image, and but yet we're different? And we tend to want to make God human. We want to put a face on God, right? Do you have a, we want to visualize God. I, I do that. You know, I try to imagine the face of God. Of course, that's metaphorical in the Bible. It said the face of God. But we know that God is spirit. And we know that no one has ever seen God. We, God is present. You can feel his presence. Um, but it's, it, it is a hard thing for us to understand today that no, God is spirit and that we're made in his image. But when you think about when we, when we transition from an earthly life to a heavenly life, our heavenly bodies are going to be very different that, that from our earthly bodies. So we do know that. We, we know that in uh, Revelation. Understanding the attributes of God helps us to think rightly about God and understand his credibility as to when he makes promise to us as his children. As I mentioned earlier, Charles Stanley says that we live in promised poverty, that God's promises are so abundant for us to enjoy, and we don't even claim them for ourselves. So let's take a look at some of those promises. I do, ha- I do have one question. Do you think this book is for everybody? You think it's body? Actually, it's not. Actually, this Bible or this word of God is only for his children. There's two scriptures in this word that are for non-believers. And, they're, and both of them have to do that if you will believe, if you call upon my name, then you will be saved. But God can't promise something outside of the family. This word is for God's children and for those that love him. Does that make sense to you? Does that is that surprising? Are we not all God's children? We are God. We are God's children. But if you don't have faith, 
How can you believe? I have a great saying on that. Yes, 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 that is true. But if you don't have the faith, then this, this word, the laws, are for his children. As you know, in the Old Testament, you know, he talks about there's a difference in Israel. And there's a difference. And really, he singles out his children. And he talks about, we are going to the Jews first. Well, you have been grafted into that family. But you know, there was a lot of people that were on the outside looking in. And he saved, he would step in for his children. But this is, the word is for his children. The promises are for the family of God, for his children. Now, this is open to everyone. I mean, it is, it, it is written for everyone. And you, but you have to accept it and have faith that it's true. So, uh, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. God is very powerful, and it's important that we think rightly about God. I thought that this was a great quote. I don't know. I've got A. W. Tozer up here a lot today, but he's. This book is, if you haven't read it, it's a tremendous uh, book. It says, let faith support us where reason fails. And we shall think because we believe, not in order that we may believe. You know, and that's a problem with, you know, atheists is they want to try to reason God. But we know that God is beyond that, that his ways are above our ways. And we have to have faith. And we think because because we have faith, we don't believe because we think. So if that makes any sense, so I have some faces out there that are kind of blank. Any any question? It's is that we shall think because we believe. How many theologians are out there? That, oops, they think because they believe and they research. And the more that they think because they believe, the more they're able to validate and they and and they. They, they see God in the in history. You know, there's a lot that we know because of archaeological digs, a lot of those that God reveals and lets them find. But he says, we don't, we can't think. God is not logical always. He His ways are above our ways. It's like God's math. You know, he's, he, he's different. It, it's, he's not always where we can reason that. Does that make any sense? Any questions about that? So, but you have to understand that God is omnipotent. He is all powerful, and He can He makes things happen for us. Um, says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for He who promised is faithful. Now I am I am about to go the way of all of the earth. You know with all of your heart and soul that not one of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. And this was written by Joshua. This was kind of his last lecture. He was um, he had finished his journey. This was at the end of his life that he wrote this. He's passing the baton, and that's what he's talking about. I'm about to wait to go the way of all the earth, meaning that he was about to die. And um, and he's just reminding those that he's leaving behind and in charge that God is faithful, and he has pulled us through all the battles, um, and that he wants them to remember that. It's like his last lecture. 
I know the Lord is always with me, and I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. And, you know, we're talking about faith and believing that the word is um, of God. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, the light that shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So, God, this is the authority of God, and that we might think rightly about God. He's been there from the beginning, just like he was giving Job this lecture, that he has been there from the beginning. There are, there are two kinds of promises that God gives us. He gives us an unconditional promise, which are things that we cannot affect. They're just things that God promised us, like he promised um, uh, Abraham that he was going to make him a nation um, more numerous than the stars, um, and that Sarah would have a child at the, at the ripe old age of 90. He made those promises, and they didn't have to do anything to make those promises come true. God deemed it, and they happened, just like he promised the Messiah. That was an unconditional promise, and there are many unconditional promises in the Bible. But there's a whole lot more of conditional promises. These are probably the more uh, common and the, the, the more numerous types of promises in, in the Scriptures. And this is when God makes a promise that is tied to us and our behavior. When it says, I will listen to what the Lord God says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn um, to folly. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So there are lots of conditional promises um, in the scriptures there. Um in uh, Isaiah 65, 17 and 18, it says that he's creating a new heaven and a new earth. Um, in Psalm 50, 15, it says, trust in me and I will rescue you. Um, in Psalms 91, 4 through 6, his faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Uh, in John 14, 27 and 28, he says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Don't be troubled or afraid. I am going away, but I will come to you again. Um, there are many promises, but these promises are rooted, are, uh, many of them are conditional. It says God answers our prayers, but we must claim the promises of God for ourselves. So this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask, if we ask, see the key is we have to ask. Anything according to his will has to be asked in accordance to his will that he hears us. Not he will hear us. He hears us. That's a solid promise. And we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. The conditional, conditional promise. And God will not withhold anything good from his children. A promise not to be held. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. For the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk blameless. So the condition is that we must walk blameless. So seek God's will in all that you do, and he will show you the path. So we have to seek his will first, and then he will show us a conditional promise. 
The Lord comforts us in our afflictions and, and all we face. The Holy Spirit walks beside us. Praise be to the God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. To me, this is like paying it forward. You know, God comforts you, and then he expects for you to comfort, you know, those um, that need help or comfort from us. God limits our trials and limits our temptations. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I think that we've all kind of called upon that. It says God might let you bend, but he won't let you break. God grants us wisdom, but all we have to do is ask. When we need these things from God's perspective, sin confuses us and crowds out the voice of God. How many times do you find yourself confused about something? And I, I, I find that sometimes when I'm not sure about something or I get confused about things, well, this ex- explains the confusion. It says that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God and he generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. He promises his strength when we are weak and he is strong. In Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This scripture is especially meaningful to me. It was a scripture that I went to. I was in in New York uh, on Tuesday morning of 9-11. And that was a very difficult day. Uh, there was a lot of uncertainty that day. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of panic. You didn't know what was going on. Nobody could, could quite figure it out. And I remember living with that scripture the whole day. You know, I just, it was such a comfort. And I felt protected. But this is um, a scripture we see a good bit. But I think that it's a very comforting scripture in times of trouble. And we have the Holy Spirit to help us. He lives within us and empowers us. John fourteen sixteen says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, ever, ever. God promises us rest, physical and emotional rest, if, conditional, if we come to him. And Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn upon uh, from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you go to bed sometimes at night and sleep but do not rest? So I, I this is my go-to scripture for when that happens, because you know what, if I go to sleep and I'm not resting, it's because I'm wrestling, and that if I can just give it to him, then there's peace. So, so if you need rest, you have to hand it over. It says that the comforter has come. God wants us to be generous because he is generous. Remember this, who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you I have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under the compulsion of God's love. He loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all times, having that what would you need, you will abound in every good work. 
Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in a thanksgiving to God. God loves a cheerful giver and we are blessed to be a blessing. And that's what that tells us. It's our responsibility to uh, be a, a blessing to others. Peace is not the pre- the absence of trouble. How about that? Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. God promises his peace, and his peace guards us so that we are not anxious. And uh, Philippians 4, 4, 7, you can see I've used a lot of my favorite passages today. So rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He wants to give us the desires of my heart. Another one of my favorite promises in the scripture, uh, but we must live a godly life. He tells us in Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord, conditional. We must take delight in the Lord. Then he will give us the desires of your heart, conditional promise. And this is Psalms 37, 4 again. God is present in times of trouble. He is our refuge, a place to hide. And in Psalms 46, he says that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, he will not fear that the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And through its waters roar and form, the mountains quake up with their struggling. So God is our refuge in all kinds of trouble. And he promises direction for our life. In 32.8, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. And um, in Chronicles 7.14, it says, However, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, if, there's that conditional again, if um, my people who are called in my name will humble themselves and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear their prayers from heaven, forgive their sins, heal and heal their country. He is the great healer. Psalms 103, praise the Lord, my soul, and in my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all of your diseases. See, when you, we have to remember that we have to trust, we have to act, we have to praise, we trust. Uh, God promises that nothing can separate us from him. He loves us unconditionally. Romans 8:28 For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future of near the near the pre- I can't even read neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus. Our promise that he we can never be separated from him. And then one of my favorites, come to me, all you who are weary uh, and burdened, I will give you rest. So these are just several of these um, scriptures that uh, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. The Lord your God goes with you. Do not be anxious. God tells us we can be strong and bear fruit in our old age. I thought that was appropriate for all of us today. (laughs) 
It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like cedars of Lebanon and planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in their old age. Um, they will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. How are How are we at this stage of our life bearing fruit? What ways do you think that we bear fruit at this stage of our life? Setting examples. Setting examples very important, yeah. Interacting. Oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Interacting with our kids and our grandkids. I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Being a leader. And sharing our life experience. Sharing our life experience. Mm-hmm. Being aware of what's important. Mm-hmm. Being aware of what's important. Mm-hmm. What about and just serving others? So many of you in this church, you're here when the doors are open. You're here when they close. You serve each other. You know, there's so many ways that you're productive. You know, you're leaders in the community. What about when you vote? What about when you you just in the um in um what Jesus told us and. In the writings of Moses, you know, you bind those, the words of God on your, your hands, your arms, your foreheads. You teach them night and day. Don't you still do that? You know, even to your old age, even with the breath that you take. So I think I just look at you, all of you, and I think about what leaders you are in our church, not only to your own families, but to the young people and the the places you you interact and that you so lovingly and generously give of your time. So I think that this class does an amazing job of that, and I think you're all to be commended. But I, I thought that this was a wonderful way that he tells us that we can uh, bear fruit, you know, in our older age. Uh, God promises eternal security, and we are God's children. This is my sheep. And this is kind of to that point where if you're not his sheep, you don't hear his voice says, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will ever snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and the Father am one. So that kind of goes back to this word, the sheep hear his voice. If you're not, if you don't, if you're not a sheep, you don't hear that. You don't understand how God communicates says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God promises that when we die, that we are with him immediately. We are only a breath away. says, for me to live is Christ and to die again. And if I am uh, to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And there's also the scripture that Jesus quotes on the cross. He says, for surely today you will be with me in paradise. And he uses the word today. So we believe that absent from the body is to be present with God. And God promises heaven and that he will come again. And uh, this goes back to John 4, 14, 1 through 3. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. 
uh, says in going down, he says uh, to verse three, says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me and that you will also be where I am. These are kind of in summation. Um, the 10 things that I, that God wants you to remember says, I will give you rest. I will strengthen you. I will answer you. I believe in you. I will bless you. I am for you. Who can be against you if I am for you? Um, I will not fail you. I will provide for you. And I will be with you. And I love you. This is a message from God uh, this morning just for you. And I just want you to remember that God always, always, always keeps his promises there are there are thousands of promises in his word and he's given them just for you for for his children so that you know that you oops that you are loved by him i keep doing that this morning don't i so let's bow our heads please our most gracious heavenly father we just give you thanks for your promises for for knowing that you always keep your promises and father god we just ask for strength for the day that we might think rightly about you because we know that you're credible and that you are more than capable, that you created this world and that there is nothing too big for you that you can't handle in our life. Give us strength to just turn it over to you and that um, that we don't think that we have to handle it by ourselves because we are not alone. And we just thank you for your promise of healing. We promise, thank you for your promise of faithfulness. And um, we just ask that you be with us as we leave this place today and as blessings upon each person that is here. In Jesus Christ's holy name, we ask these things. Amen. Okay. Thank you, mm-hmm. I'll just pop up. Thank you Judy. Very good, very comforting lesson. I've got a couple of thoughts just to share with you before we go. I want to reread the um, verse for the day. Chronicles 16.11 Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Fits in with what Judy has been talking about, I think. And the thought for the day, and this has come from Bob Morrissey, which I thought was thought this was very good, is a quote from Thomas Edison. Opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. <laughs> Everybody has a good week.